Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes! 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 Oh! Oh! Oh, yes! 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 Oh! fellow who's charged with ramming a police car. His alibi is that he was having sex with his girlfriend at the time. Can you not do both? No. What? The glamorous brunette said to me, the glamorous brunette said to me, in the car? <laughs> That's what I thought too. <laughs> I was in the prison, HMP McGabry once, consulting. And you know, they had these wee, they have these wee booths, consultation booths. It's like Sort of tiny horses, stables, one beside each other, and then you've got a uh, the the this the lawyer comes in from one side, and then the prisoner comes in from the other side into the wee room. And the chairs are fixed, but the, you're ve- you're you're tied up very close to each other. And when we were in the waiting area before we did, there was a girl there who was dressed very lawyerly. I, I didn't recognise her, and we were in. We were brought in, um, you know, the names are ticked off, you know, your, your firm, etc. And the next thing, there was, you know, very obvious sounds of sexual intercourse coming from the next booth. And then the alarm went off and the guy came down and cleared us out. And as we were sort of leaving, you could see the, the big guy, the prisoner, was having sex with her, you know, very, very robustly. <laughs> she was sitting up on the table, you know, with her legs spread. And as the sort of quick reaction, the, the, I think they're called the quick response force, the cure, if we're trying to force their way through the door. He was a big guy, you know. He was shouting, I'll take my chances! I'll take my chances! <laughs> but the only thing is of using having sex as an alibi... The only thing about having sex as an alibi is how long? How long does what big what amount of time does that cover you for? It could be a couple of minutes. Like I was just thinking as you were saying that, like Angie Dickinson, when she slept with John F. Kennedy, she said it was the greatest thirty seconds of her life. So uh, you know, like if, yeah. Um, so you know, how long does uh, how long does how long does uh, Sting sort of, did he not boast that he took, you know, seven or eight or nine hours? Would you not get awfully bored after seven or eight or nine hours? Oh, my God. Fuck's sake. I'm not having sex with that guy. Although you know that some of the, uh, I'm trying to think the name of the philosopher, Reich, isn't he? It was William Reich. And he was sort of, 
you know, he was a, a German philosopher, but he had it that the, the peak of human existence was the perfect orgasm. And that, you know, the more that we strove to have that perfect orgasm, you know, the more we'd achieve happiness, pu- true satisfaction, you see. Right. And, uh, the, the, the so this, is what, this goes back to you saying the reverse cowgirl when I told my wife nothing she could do could make I, me, I, make I me detected that you didn't even know what the reverse cowgirl was. Ah, come on. You don't know me at all. <laughs> the, uh, but anyway, he uh, invented this, it's like it's called an orgone energy accumulator it was a, a box and it was about the size of a telephone booth and uh, the idea is that you would sit in it and you would sort of absorb the life forces of it until you had <laughs> the perfect climax and he then he, he he was banned by the Nazis. He fled Germany. You see, because it was found, you know, that it was decided sort of once that fascist regime came in, you know, that we really couldn't be having this type of thing. So he fled and he went to America. And of course, in America, then he became a big hit. He was selling he was selling these boxes hand over fist, and he was marketing them as you know, being able to cure cancer and all sorts of things. Until the Americans decided, I can't remember who it was. In fact, I think it was him himself. He persuaded Albert Einstein. Because people were saying, look, this can't be right. I mean, you can't just sit in the box and have an orgasm. He persuaded Albert Einstein, it <laughs> <laughs> would be handy, to investigate the the uh, the the box. And uh, so Einstein spent, you know, two or three weeks very scientifically examining the box and then, and then announced that it was absurd, that there was no way that this could happen. But, I mean, it... In a way, it shows you how easily persuaded people are. A certain type of person, I think. So, like Sean Connery, you know, James Bond. He he mm. he he swore by his. He 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 had a bespoke one made, you know, and kept it in the back garden. And uh, Norman Mailer, you know, famous sort of firebrand writer, you know, who wrote yeah. the, for me the greatest sports book ever written, the fight. He uh, he. <laughs> <laughs> He boasted about, you know, having seven or eight of these and, you know, he had one that was lined with thick carpet so that he could scream his lungs out inside as well while he was, while he was (laughs) orgasming. And uh, I mean, you know, it was again an example. Eventually, eventually I think it was banned, but it's sort of what really put the tin lid on it was when Woody Allen in his film The Sleeper, he had an orgasmatron. And the, the the secret I don't know if you recall the film, but the secret police yeah, are chasing yeah. him, and he jumps into the orgasmatron. You know, it's like an egg, and he pulls the top down over himself. <laughs> and of course, he has multiple orgasms. So when he comes out, you know, his his hair is smoking, his face is charred and black, <laughs> and he staggers, he staggers to the ground and collab- collapses. <laughs> so there you are now, the orgasmatron. It save a, <laughs> save a lot of trouble. It would, it really would. What do you like when you're wrong about something? Well, I, 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 I would say I'm a world-class apologizer. You know, do you mean if I'm, so I say, I, I, I should do apology classes. Really? Yeah, you, want me to, you want me to tell you how to do an apology? Go on. So, so never mealy-mouthed. 
You never sort of, well, if I have offended anybody, you know, it's sort of um, uh, the Boris Johnson style sort of non-apology, you know, all of that. It's, it's, it's the modern thing now. This is how you do an apology, right? I want to apologise for what I said. I should never have said that. It was wrong. It was hurtful. It was insulting to you. You know, and when I think back on it, it's embarrassing for me. I'm going to apologise for that. It will never happen again. Why do you think people don't apologise like that? Because it's not really an apology. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I uh, made a very, very hurtful remark once about, you know, people, honestly, uh, people played it down since but I made a very hurtful remark on television about Marty Morrissey, that I'm extremely fond of. And it was a thoughtless, careless, cruel uh, remark, which I won't repeat, and which I cringe even when I think of it, because it demonstrated a capacity in me for cruelty, for reckless disregard of, 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 of Marty. And... Um, you know, and I, I still, when I when I hear it being mentioned, you know, Marty referred to it in his autobiography, which he asked me to launch. <laughs> I just, thanks for fucking made Marty, like, you did a fucking full chapter. You didn't, you didn't need to, you didn't need a fucking full chapter about it again. Like, oh, how hurt I was. Like, fuck me. You know, Joe came and he apologised in person. And we talked with the best of friends. I said, well, fuck me. Thanks for made Marty, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, when when something like that happens, uh, you know, it 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 really is, uh, you know, it it has to be it has to be a proper it has to be a proper apology. Yeah, I was sort of joking with you when I was saying about, but that that's how you. I mean, I should take apology classes because that that's the end of it. Then people say, okay, look, fair enough. Thinking about Brexit and how does how does a country admit when it's wrong? Because the Daily Telegraph, where Boris Johnson used to write a column where he came out in in favour of Brexit, the time he famously wrote a, two columns, has has now come out and said uh, it is time for the Leave camp to start saying the unsayable. This is a Daily Telegraph editorial. The Tories have made such a hash of Brexit that the project is probably now unsalvageable. Now there are still some kind of conditionals and, uh, like the pro, you know, the, the they have it, it's a bit like communism still. It's like it hasn't been it hasn't been tried properly. Like there is still that refusal to acknowledge that the actual idea itself is flawed, but it's kind of getting there, isn't it? It's getting to the point where when the Daily Telegraph is writing a leader saying that the jig is up like what what happens next well you see they they were a huge part of the problem as you know they're owned by a non-domiciled sort of tax exile billionaire who pushed the whole idea of brexit and the real problem is that let's call it great britain you know even the name great britain but the real problem is that the empire is gone, and and yet 
they still suffer from these delusions of grandeur. I mean, they had a terrific opportunity with the European Union to be like France or Germany, to become a flourishing powerhouse within a really strong confederacy. But because of these delusions, you know, and because I think of this identity crisis that they have, I mean, what is England? I mean, first of all, you know, what is England now? I mean, it's like a, it's a mediocre soccer team. It's a government of private schoolboys, old Etonians, destroying, you know, uh, what's left of the place. A monarchy that has sort of taken the place of Coronation Street and is about as relevant as that, you know, who who are riven by scandals, you know, harbouring a paedophile, you know, paying, paying £12 million pounds to settle a case against a woman that he didn't sweat over. You know, it's tax havens. I mean, all the main tax havens are British territories. And, you know, you, it always struck me, you know, when you were abroad in Spain and that cringing at the behaviour of young British jobs when they go abroad, that contempt for other people, that sense of supremacy. And really, I think that Whereas with Blair, by, by about sort of 1997, 98, Tony Blair was talking about look, a flourishing United Kingdom within Europe. You know, a handful of Oxford, you know, posh Oxford boys have, have really hastened the end of, of, of Britain's reputation. I mean, the... the the this idea of a Great Britain's falling apart, the Scots want out. You know, the the Northern Ireland question. I mean, it's going the same way. I mean, who wants to be who wants to be tied to a a a a a, a, a sort of an overlord who has the final say on everything? And you know, it, it, again, I think that the whole Brexit project goes back to supremacy. I mean mm. the 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 like supremacists everywhere. The Tories don't care what they do. Other people are beneath them. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm struck by what Boris's old housemaster at Eton said about him. He said <laughs> Boris honestly believes it is churlish of of us not to regard him as an exception who should be free of the network of obligation which binds everyone else. And he said that Boris was astonished when he wasn't made the school captain. <laughs> and, and, this idea that you're higher up in society than others and entitled to treat them as lesser is the it's the theme of uh, Simon Cooper's book called Chums. How uh, which I got recently, how a tiny cast of Oxford Tories took over the UK, and I mean it's quite amazing when you trace it through how they did that. You know, I mean, and mm. you talk, you know, that sort of Oxford thing where you had to be posh at that stage to get in. You know, you you went through an interview with a tutor. Toby Young, that sort of very right-wing xenophobic commentator who went there. He didn't get the grades to go in, but luckily enough, his father was a duke. So he... he that's just absolutely true. Yeah. And, you know, Cooper, there's a really funny quote, which I'll, I'll read. Cooper said that, you know, that he knew an applicant to Oxford who had been refused, that the... When he went in, the tutor was sprawled on the sofa and said to him, don't you think 
Don't you think the piazza, the piazzata San Marco in Venice looks like a branch of Barclays Bank? Yeah, it reminds me of a story of Paul of mine. He's very eminent King's Council now. He 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 went to he went to that interview, you know, with the the tutor, and he went in, and uh, he was sort of nervous type of fella. Anyway, he looks nervous and wouldn't be nervous, but it looks nervous, you know. He went in and he was a full fish out of water, like he was just sitting like he's wearing up us. And the fellow said to him, oh, Maupassant, he said, he says, you know, why is it that Maupassant gives us such a free song of guilty pleasure, you see? Of course, he had no idea who Maupassant was. And he said, I, I think it's just the fact that he gives us a free song, free song of guilty pleasure. And that, that was the end of that. But, you know, this supremacy thing, which is one of the, you know, it was the, one of the hallmarks of Brexit. You know, like Brexit, if you look at it, it was like... It was an opportunity for a small group of people to do something that they thought was going to be glorious. It was powered by Cummings, Gove, Johnson, um, all all of all of the main protagonists were were at Oxford, you know, and these dark money interests were looking around for a charismatic figure to lead it, Boris. They needed a working class guy. They needed, a, and they got that sort of cigarette smoking, beer swilling, racist lout Farage to communicate with the common man, Murdoch, and people like that bankrolled it, you know, and they they just they did what these posh boys do. They just lied. They just lied. They made up lies, and Boris discovered that. You know, I mean, a guy who who lied his way through his teenage years and his young adulthood, you know, who was sacked from every job he ever was in, um, he discovered that that you could also do that uh, to the populace as long as you were backed by the main papers. You could say whatever you liked. You know, the biggest lie being, well, look, um, we're going to save three hundred and fifty million a week for our NHS. If we leave, if we if we leave Europe, and that the, the the sort of the truth about the EU was that, and the reason they hated it was because it meant that for the first time, the English were going to have to live on an equal footing with other people. They weren't going to be better. They weren't going to be superior to them. They were going to be equal to them, you know, and that has been extremely difficult. I mean, the way we're treated in the north, I mean, Jesus, and 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 you know, unionism now is reduced to like a, a the, the 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 battered wife who keeps mm. going back who keeps going back to her abuser husband because you know he really loves me at the end of the day, uh, and we see the way that Scotland is being treated, and only the English could sort of see Europe the way that they were able to present it as a sort of a, 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 a an interfering bureaucratic force that uh, that is that is that is sort of dictating terms to us and you know the, the, these are these are really identity crisis you know there's a sort of a collective insanity with the Brits and until until they Stop seeing the world through that sort of fictional eye. 
they're going to continue to struggle and disintegrate. I mean, I think I think that the idea of a United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is dead anyway. It's just a matter of time. And um, yeah, like I think there's a lot. <clears throat> there's obviously, I there's a lot in that, and I agree with that uh, pursuit of glory by the the the. The, that small group of people uh, and the way they they framed it and and the dishonesty of that obviously that's uh, you know impossible to argue with. I think the the England element and again it is it is and it does represent the contradictions of it too. But the English element is more. I think it's more complicated. Like obviously Scotland, Northern Ireland voted for Remain. Like the big cities. But the big cities in England all voted Remain too. Like this is the, this is the thing. Liverpool voted Remain. London obviously voted Remain. Manchester, I think. You know, I think Newcastle even voted Remain. Like all these places, all these metropolitan places. So England, England isn't even the English. Can't be, can't be put into one box. Well, it's a bit in like this. the intelligentsia in America. They all voted Democrat. Yeah, yeah, but there is the work, there is an element of that. We know that people, now. The working people voted against their own interests. And, and, but, but, and why did that? Like, and again, austerity. Like, I used to see this a lot, Joe, because when like I lived in England for a long time, and a lot of the stuff I did. And I was living in London. I loved it. I love living in England. I, I, it, it was great. I love London. I, I love England. Uh, I, I. <laughs> I once refer you like I podcast is just not going to do. I once referred to myself in in an article as an anglophile, and somebody referred somebody made a complaint to the press ombudsman. Um, But the 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 complaint wasn't upheld happily. Uh, But but anyway, but when you would go to these places, I would go to football matches in places like Wolverhampton and Hull and Sunderland and these places, and you were going to. These were the places, especially after austerity. I remember going up to Hull uh, just before I left, and there's a gorgeous, beautiful statue of Philip Larkin on the at the at the train station in Hull, and that's it. Like that's it. You step out into this wasteland, then, and there, you know, and that's like, and there's nothing there, and it's. But you look at you look the, at Britain. You look at in 2010, there were 21 food banks. Now there are yeah. two and a half thousand food banks. Poverty, poverty's flourishing. Boris Johnson and these and Rishi Sunak, they're rabbiting on about global Britain and trade deals. I mean, and you know it, it's pathetic. Genuinely, it's pathetic. I mean, if you look at it objectively, it's pathetic. I mean, the 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 three trade deals that they've been boasting about. One was with Mongolia. This is since mm. Brexit, and that's to supply. <laughs> People think you're joking. To, to supply its Mongolia's 11 Kentucky Fried Chicken outlets with with <laughs> chicken from Britain, great British chicken. And yeah. about Ryle Jawardina, you know, the MP who was the junior trade minister, was trumpeting this. The trade deal with Australia, total UK imports to Australia, from Australia, 0.1%. New Zealand, less mm. than 0.1%. I mean, the Commonwealth's a sham now. I mean, you, last year, I don't know if you recall, Prince William... Um, who was wrestling in the kitchen with Prince Harold, as I, <laughs> and he's he's sick. I think he's second in line. 
Or maybe he's no, actually, he he must be the next in line. Uh, he and his wife toured the Commonwealth in 2022, which is sort of the the the, the last remnants of of the empire. And throughout, they met with anti-royal protests about their failure to address all the terrible wrongs that were done, the legacies of slavery, you know. And then they were told when they were in Jamaica that Jamaica are now going to join the other Caribbean states that were once colonies who have got rid of the Queen as head of mm. state. And as as all of this falls apart, you've still got this extraordinary fantasy that there's something great about Britain. Now, there are many... I mean, Britain should be a modest country with with a lot of achievements, with a lot of bad things that have been done, putting their shoulder to the wheel in Europe, being a, a powerful nation in Europe, and, 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 and all of that sort of thing. But instead, it's this... And I think the fantasy is exemplified with the royal family. I mean, you you watch the funeral of the Queen. I mean, like it was it was like North Korea. You mm. better you better be fucking grief stricken. Because if you're not, you're fucking cancelled. I mean, this was like this was a performance where everybody like a cult, like a cult you had, you had to observe it and woo betide the person who didn't. This is compulsory grief, right? Dictated by the media, by the BBC, you know. And and the reason that I think that is there is because a bit like when you go to America, it's all like I pledge allegiance to the flag of America. I pledge, you know, it's, you know, it's it's about creating this and maintaining this illusion of greatness when in fact. It's all right for the Tories and the billionaires and their chums. But for everyone else now, Britain is turning into a sweatshop. The nurses are striking. Mm. Transport workers are striking. Post office workers are striking. Food banks everywhere. Food banks being opened up in hospitals to feed the nurses. You know, And yet there we have it. I mean, the Queen. But, but Yeah, but when you go back on that, when you look back at it, it is... Like I think there is there is obviously there's an English nationalism at play as well that that drove it and when you look back on and you, you talk about how it's accelerated since 2010 but it began the austerity austerity began then and it was a choice and we know that it was a a, a philosophy and we look at it now and people won't make the, say they won't make the same mistakes again but they were done they were done as a out of a kind of a, George a, Osborne almost a sort George of political kinky kind of club guy and a kind of politi- a political kinkiness almost you know what I mean to kind of to ape the kind of the uh, the years of Thatcherism to kind of just do this thing which what and you look at little things like you know that people in England that all those sure start programs that were shut down all those things in places that actually meant something that that Labour had brought in and all those things were wiped away, but then when you look at that, it kind of looks at it because it was inevitable that they were going to vote for Brexit, it was inevitable given what the, what had been done in all these places like. Wolverhampton and Hull and and Huddersfield and Hartlepool and and all these places that they were going to vote for Brexit because 
these places were dying. They were just dying all around them. And if you were told, again, like the no alternative, if you're told like there is something here that can fix this, you're going to take it. Yeah, but here's here here's the essential problem. I think it's simpler than what than, than your analysis. You come out of Eton, you go to Oxford, you're in the Bullingdon Club, you know, where you've got everyone outside of that is the riffraff. There's shit under your shoe. And mm. through your connections, you get a safe seat in Parliament. I mean, at the moment, Boris Johnson is reportedly doing a deal with Rishi Sunak. Listen, I'll continue to back you if I get a safe seat. If I get a safe seat at the next election, because the latest polling shows he's going to lose his seat. Okay. And so here they come out, Boris in his case, like Toad of Toad Hall. You know, reckless, dumb, a completely unprofessional politician who's who's only interested in sound bites and, you know, he, he has learned this style in the Oxford Debating Society with Rhys Mogg and all these other, frankly, ludicrous shysters. And they are, they are given the reins of power. Like these, these guys with no vocation for politics, no vocation for the common good, but what they are good at, they come out of Oxford, they go to Goldman Sachs, they go to hedge funds, through their connections, they're at the top level of society, and then they cook up their conspiracies. And so, Brexit, why would they give a fuck about Brexit? It doesn't matter anyway. Jacob Rees-Mogg has opened a European headquarters in Ireland. So the Brexit doesn't matter to him. Boris Johnson's dad, Stanley, he's moved to France. He's fucked off and got a European passport. Why would it matter to them? You know, I mean, what what in fact happened with Brexit and it was with that sort of disaster capitalism. As soon as Brexit started to go south, you know, then you had all sorts of opportunities arising. I mean, the the pandemic. I mean, that was just a paradise. That was a fantasy land for them. You know, so you have a VIP lane. Brilliant. We'll give, we'll, we'll, we'll give billions to our mates now under the cover of this is a terrible pandemic. We must, we must act immediately. Boris had started off saying, look, this is, this is not to be taken seriously. I'm shaking hands with everyone I meet. But now there's an opportunity to empty the public coffers to give it to their pals. Classic example, Michelle Moan, Tory Peer, lingerie queen. That's what she. That's that's where she made her money to start with. Tory Peer, big Tory donor. She starts a company. In fact, she doesn't even start a company. She goes to Michael Gove and she said, "Look, we can source PPE." And this has all been very carefully tracked by investigative journalists in the Guardian. And as you know, the National Crime Agency in the UK is now taking action because of the investigative journalism of, of Guardian journalists and some very conscientious people in HSBC. So what she does is she says, look, I'm setting up a company. company hadn't even been set up. We're going to call it PPE MedPro. Two weeks later, before the company has been incorporated, they get a 200 million government contract through the VIP lane. Only Tory donors, only people with Tory connections were in the VIP lane for contracts. 200 million. 
Now, the family bought a yacht called the Lady M after Lady Michelle. They bought a private jet. They bought mansions for the three kids. They bought mansions in, in Glasgow. And then it turned out that the PPE was unusable. Now, they had used blind trusts in offshore and offshore accounts, etc. She bought a horse for her husband, as it was described at the time by her as a second wedding gift. And these people, there they are, clapping the nurses on the doorstep of their mansion. Instagram posts, posts about our nurses. The PP is unusable. They've now disappeared. She's left the House of Lords. The family appears to have gone abroad somewhere. They're selling their assets at home. And now Rishi Sunak says, now that the shit has hit the fan, but only now that the shit has hit the fan. He's saying, this is a scandal. This is an absolute scandal. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, the same Rishi Sunak is saying, Nurse, nurses are just going to have to swallow it. Fuck them. You know, fuck them. And 30, 35, 40 billion has been wasted on the VIP lane. They're now, they're now being charged, the taxpayer is now being charged hundreds of millions to destroy this unusable PPE. You know, and pub landlords, pub landlords were given contracts for PPE. I mean, people who were who were making toys until the time of the pandemic, and so it's a classic illustration of how a very dysfunctional United Kingdom now works. And do you think it comes back, or is this it now? Like Brexit, like. It, when you talk about the fantasy, it reminds me of, and that sense for, of glory, like Ni Nigel Farage talking about Dunkirk and you know, the Dunkirk movie when it came out and saying people should watch this movie and hoping that this sort of sense of, of the English alone would inspire people, ignoring the reality of World War Two, which was that it was an Allied victory and the Americans coming in and the Russians and, and that, you know, the, the, those forces that helped that, that that allowed them to win the war, but now in a, in a very small way you have the same. Like I was reading that article about today about the about the Telegraph today, and it then mentions uh, in you know as well that the ending of free movement, which was the big thing, like this extraordinary perverse thing you hear politicians saying, "I will end free movement," and they're and they're boasting about it. Uh, it is contrib contributing significantly. To current labour shortages, there are three hundred and thirty thousand workers less than there, fewer than there should be in 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 Britain, and this is obviously helping to fuel inflation because because there's not enough people going around. So if people want more money for their jobs, which they do need because of the cost of living crisis, there's there's not enough workers to go around. So this idea that they could stand alone, which was fueled by these myths about World War Two is now in in a much more prosaic way happening again. They need they need they always needed the world around them and they were at their best. Like they were at their best when they had the world around. Them. Like I find it amazing that it's because I was watching we were talking about this last week actually just after after the podcast 
the Get Back, the, the Beatles documentary on, on Disney Plus. And you look at that and you watch that movie and you see this is the height of cultural power of a country. This is a country like the Beatles being like, how did the country that in, in at that point had John Lennon and Paul McCartney with their Irish roots, but had John Lennon and Paul McCartney and George Harrison as these emblems of England end up 50, 50 years later with Boris Johnson and Jacob Rees-Mogg? I think because um, after the, the Blair project, and you know whatever criticisms you have of Blair and the sort of the, the all of the all of the the problems that there were with that, they were moving towards. I mean, the peace process would never. I mean, with people like Boris and Rhys Mogan, I mean, there would never have been a peace process because their natural inclination would have been to treat the Catholics like shit, and so there would never have been a peace process. I mean, you had with Blair, Gordon Brown, people like that. Which had which had had for quite a period of time, a serious professional political class. These guys are not serious. I mean, they're there feathering their nests. They have zero interest in, uh, you know, or empathy in, in their their constituents. And the everything's reduced to a joke. And what what you see them doing, as it all turns into a complete disaster, is to resort to racism all of the tenets of the supremacist. I mean, a reliable way, <laughs> a reliable way to spot a, a supremacist is how they treat the LGBTQ community. So, you know, Boris and, and his Tories, they belittle and make fun of them, you know, because it plays well with the base. It's just like Donald mm. Trump making fun of the LGBTQ community. I mean, at a Tory dinner in the Plaza Hotel recently, Boris got a huge big laugh. He told a joke about trans people, which I won't repeat. You know, they're now, they now, they U-turned then on the promise to ban LGBTQ conversion therapy, you know, which is, which NHS England said was extremely dangerous for our trans neighbours and friends. And what's happening is happening also in America. I mean, US Republicans have introduced laws discriminating against LGBTQ the Don't Say Gay Bill, which blocks classroom discussion about non-heterosexuals. Trump joking about gays at his rallies. I mean, Putin's Russia, probably the most hostile place on earth for LGBTQ folk. And the identity crisis that England has, because it should be England, and one day it will be England alone. It's inevitable. I mean, who wants to... I mean, they're clinging to the wreckage of empire, and I don't think anybody with any seeing outlook wants to be involved with that any longer. I mean, how would you persuade a rational young person in the North that, that, a, that a continuing link to England is good for us when we see what's happening all around us? I mean, the identity crisis that England has is mirrored by the identity crisis of unionism. Mm. It's like the same thing, and you look at that again. I mean, this this glorification of the monarchy. I mean, what would it take for people to say? I mean, Catholics in Ireland, right, once the sex scandal started, you know, once the paedophilia scandals began, people was like, oh, fuck that, I'm not going to fucking mass anymore. Father Ted mm. came along, mopped the whole thing up. Fuck that. All right, now we say, look, they're a wonderful individual priest and I'm extremely friendly with many priests. 
you know, who are who have a vocation and who have, uh, uh, you know, just some of the most selfless, empathetic people I've ever met. But as an institution, we looked at it rationally and said, "Fuck that," you know, the days of 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 mass being full every Sunday, and all of that. That was gone because we looked at it rationally. And we said, "Look, there are just too many problems with this." You, know, you look at the monarchy. The paedophilia scandals, you know, Lord Mountbatten, the Queen's favourite cousin, you know, a notorious paedophile. Prince Andrew, you know, clearly, you know, a a, a very serious and and persistent paedophile. What does it take for someone to say, look, we're we're being made fools of here. Why why are we glorifying all of this? And in the North, because unionism has a serious crisis of identity, because they've been basically, they're about to be left high and dry by the British, which is what the, what they've done in every other colony. And they've left them in a, in a horrible position psychologically. So now what we're seeing in the North is like, we've got Sammy Wilson distri- describing gay people as poofs. Ian Paisley Jr. told Hotbreast he was repulsed by gay and lesbianism. Jim... <laughs> Tim Wells, who was the former, you can hardly say these words, DUP health minister, he said just last year that he no longer watches Strictly Come Dancing after a gay couple danced on the show. <laughs> and all these people are rewarded. They give them MBEs and OBs. Morris Mills, he said that Hurricane Katrina was the wrath of God in the LGBT community. 1,400 people died. The Brits made him an MBE, a member of the British Empire. Arlene Foster is a dame. I mean, and so this sham democracy that we have in the North, this this cult almost that isn't a society at all, is encouraged and and enabled by the sort of the right wing of of of, of the English Tories, and you know, people, any an outsider coming in must go, what the fuck. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We see, I think, like... The North is interesting in terms of Brexit because I think if the only thing that wasn't working with Brexit was the protocol and the North, then the Brexiteers would would be, which would probably happen anyway. You are you're right. They would just ditch the North if there was a way of salvaging Brexit, and the only problem was 
the protocol or unionism or whatever, then that would that would ease that would be easy just to kind of to, to cut it out of the, cut it out of the out of the problem, just remove it from the, from the from the body, and uh, and carry on because this is like this is the uh, like I have I have um, you know uh, like a, a sort of sympathy sympathy for the plight like the, the the position the plight unionism has got itself into at the moment, but. I do think, like the one thing, there is nobody, nobody I know anyway. I don't think there is very few people. So I'll just qualify it. Who in Britain, if you said to them, "Do you think the, Do you think these people in Northern Ireland are as British as you?" would would say yes. They would see them. They see them. They they don't consider. Oh, correct. They don't they don't care. I mean, that guy James Cleverly came to the north, and he uh, refused. To allow the leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou, to um, to 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 be at the round table talks, he just refused. She wasn't allowed in. Humiliated at the door, you know. Fuck off, uppity tig. Who the fuck do you think you are? And that's what it was, you know. That's that's what it was. I don't think he's ever been. I think it was reported that he'd never been in Northern Ireland before, ever. Mm. And the interesting thing about it is that nobody loathes the Brits more than you, than the Unionists in the North. They loathe them, you know, because they know what's going on. They know what's going on. I mean, and the thing about the protocol, I mean, I remember in March 2020, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, there's another one, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. I mean, Sir Geoffrey was an assistant grandmaster of the Orange Lodge. He was, <laughs> he was Enoch Powell's election agent. Perhaps the greatest racist in the history of these islands, Enoch Powell, the rivers of blood, you know, his mm. outrageous legacy. Jeffrey boasts in his bio that he was Enoch Powell's election agent. But Jeffrey told the BBC in March 2020, look, the protocol provides us with opportunities to exploit. And customs checks don't mean you change the constitutional status of a part of the UK. And already we're seeing business leaders and political parties coming together to see how we exploit the opportunities from the protocol. And he lauded the fact that the North has, quote, full access to the UK market and full access to the EU market. But then, of course, bad polls. Going to be a shinner as a first minister. Their supremacy is threatened. Now the protocol becomes an existential threat to the Union. And Sir Geoffrey's going around loyalist villages on the back of a trailer with some very dodgy characters saying, never, never, never. You know, democracy was good when they won. But again, this is, you call it the plight. I agree with that. But when they're so trenchant and they're getting more trenchant so that the opportunities that Peter Robinson and Martin McGuinness had created, particularly Peter Robinson with his openness, you know, one minute, he's invading Clontibret. I mean, why the fuck of all the places that you would want to invade, why would you choose Clontibret? But the next, here he is, a serious politician doing a serious job of work, going to GA matches, reaching the hand of friendship out, reconciliation, serious job of politics. I saw it at first hand because I became quite close to, to both men during that period of time. But he was destroyed. And and now, very like Brexit and what's happened in England, this polarisation, 
you know, has 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 become the dominant theme. You know, cackling at 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 progress, cackling at the Alliance Party. I mean, the most important development, in my view, and I've written this on several occasions in the North over the last ten years, has been the rise of the non-denominational, thoroughly cross-community Alliance Party. You know, the the moderate unionist is now voting in large numbers for them. The last election, they had 20% of the vote. You know, good candidates, serious people who have a vocation for politics. I mean, exemplified by by their three gay MLAs, in particular for me, Owen Tennyson, who has been a, a model for what a young politician should be in the North. Learning, curious, intelligent, vocational, empathetic, you know, interested in his constituents. And then you go to the DUP and it's just... IRA, 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 IRA. They just IRA all the time. And they're contemptuous of Catholics. I mean, Arlene Foster called Catholics crocodiles and said that if we had an Irish language act, we would only come back for more. Don't feed the crocodiles. You know, all that stuff. I'll tell you a story about Jim Wells. Jim, who um, was the... (laughs) I'm so sorry for laughing. Who was the health minister. Myself and Shane Finnegan. Shane would be a big figure in organ donation in the north and um, we had organised a public awareness day and the transplant surgeons were there Shane heads up Aiken PR in the north so he knows how to do these sorts of events and it was a huge event, Martin was there, Peter Robinson was there some of Peter Robinson's trusted ministers were there some of the good ones you know, who were Peter's guys who were interested in politics and interested in making it work. But Jim Wells was the health minister, so he had that loony sort of evangelical wing of his party. And I was asked then to say a few words to introduce them, but I sort of felt, because Jim was there, Jim's a big guy, you know, he's awkward, you know, he's, he's, he's hard to... So I said, we're delighted that the Minister for Health is here, and um, he's going to say a few words. So he took the mic and he said, well, he said, I'm uh, glad that uh, uh, a, a Gaelic footballer from Londonderry is here. Uh, we were all uh, quite tickled when he brought the Samuel Maguire Cup uh, to the United Kingdom. Uh, and this went on, you know, and what you do, because we're used to it, you know, you 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 you, you grin and you grin and bear it, and that sort of supremacy is key to understand what's going on in the north at the moment. And I know it's pathetic. I know it's silly. Like I don't know if you heard, if you read, Arlene Foster now writes for the DM Foster. Sorry, writes for the Express, which is um, Richard Desmond, who was the porn king. You know, a huge Tory donor again. And obviously a non-dom, tax havens and all that. But she writes for him and it's all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, She was writing about St. Patrick's Day in the White House and she blasted it as being too green. And she was making jokes about President Biden, you know. Like, it's, it's the worst thing that could have happened to the Unionists was the Tory party, this modern version of it. But they, but their their own worst enemy in so many ways in 
big ways like going for Brexit, which they thought was just uh, a good play because again, it, it sort of it, it it aligned with their identity, whatever it was. But they didn't really. I, I don't. I think it was more big, basic. I think it was rubbing the Fenians' noses in it, like all the parties, the SDLP, Sinn Fein, the Alliance Party. They're all opposed to this. They see they see that it makes absolutely no sense that it's mental. Mm. So let's let's triumphalize over them. And don't forget there was a there was a period of time when Mrs. May was the Prime Minister, when the DUP's ten seats was the balance of power. Yeah. But again that that was a t- but do you remember when that happened? There was suddenly like who are the DUP and what do they want? Because nobody nobody in, in Britain had ever paid any attention to them before. And suddenly they were aware of uh their views on LGBTQ and everything like that. So it was, it was again a reminder of how insignificant they are in that world. But what I was going to say is, like, you you don't if you're a serious if you've any you don't write for the fucking express if you've any if you've any any if you've any ambition to be taken seriously. Like that's the thing. That's what I mean. You don't. They are their own worst enemy in big ways and in small ways. If you want to be treated as a serious commentator, nobody reads the Express, Joe. She, she but she wouldn't see it that way. You grow up. You you you're brought up in a cult like the DUP. You know, it, it's just it, it's 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 a less push version of what we see with the the, the right wing Tories. You know, they they're they they um have been brought up like this. I mean, Ian Paisley was their god, Ian Paisley Senior, you know, and um, and so for them, on that wing of the party, it, it's not embarrassing. I mean, we, we have a chuckle at Sammy Wilson, for example. I mean, Sammy Wilson comes on the radio in the north and <laughs> everybody chuckles, you know. I mean, the 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 CEO of Rightbus, you know, who's who's of Indian origin and an extremely articulate Serious heavyweight guy, right? Bus are a world le- world leader in hydrogen buses. They're based in Ballymena in North Antrim, and he was on Radio Ulster, and he was talking about the great benefits of the protocol. You know the fact that we were able to trade into Europe. And he said, from right bus's point of view, they just signed a big deal with with a German bus company to deliver say a like hundred buses, and you know they're 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 huge. And he was talking about all that, and when he finished the Anchor went to Sammy Wilson and Sammy said, well, he, he doesn't understand the protocol. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a sort of a bizarre world, but what happens over time is you get used to it. I mean, really, I don't listen to really to Radio Ulster much anymore because it's all that stuff, you know. Oh, mm. you know, fucking, it's, it's, it's that. And again, a bit like the UK now where, where, it's a children's parliament. You know, Suella Breverman, all these horror shows. Um, you know, Reese Mogg, who, who sort of like, you know, Walter, Walter the Softy from, from the Beano magazine has suddenly become someone who, 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 and people pay attention to his views. You know, mm. just a, 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 you know, like all those guys, just a pathological liar. When they argument, it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, forget about the substance. You know, we'll do we'll do our trade deals with Mongolia for Kentucky Fried Chicken, that. and we'll 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 send immigrants to Rwanda, fucking immigrants, you know, mm. fucking coming over the borders and and all that depressing stuff, you know. And I think that 
there will be a day of reckoning for that because I do think that there was a space for Boris and all those boys to, to work their contract and, and, and to get into power for that period of time. They've done a huge amount of damage. But sooner or later, reality is going to take hold. Okay. We'll see when that happens, Joe. I still think they're a bit away from reality yet. There's only so much reality anyone can take, as as T.S. Eliot said, and I think they're still uh, they're still they're still frightened of reality. Yeah, but isn't it funny? It looks, you know, when you look at the House of Commons now, it looks as though all these guys have sort of hijacked it for the day. It's like mm. you know, enthusiastic students having a student debate, and they've got into the building, and people are taking them seriously. And it's a very, I mean, uh, you know, this illustrates to us the dangers of supremacy. We see it, you know, it, it, it's a problem that's happening everywhere now. And the easy message of refugees and of, you know, LGBTQ being pedophiles and all of that sort of thing. And using those culture wars as an excuse to disguise what you're actually doing. We saw in France, Marie Le Pen, like, how close she came to being the president. You know, they had, they had to have a runoff. And, but that supremacy, and this is why I suppose it was never going to work in Europe. And it's not, going, it's not working out of Europe. I mean, but you can't, it, it can't work in a cooperative grouping. You know, I mean, I was thinking about this when we chatted about it the other day. There are 48 European states and dependencies. And of those 45 are either full members of the European Union, members of the European Free Trade Association, or are applying to join the European Union. There are only three countries of the 48 who are not. Russia, Belarus, and now the United <coughs> Kingdom. Yeah. Says it all. He doesn't know what the reverse cowgirl is. Right, simple question. Do you know what the reverse cowgirl is? I think I do. I'm 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 going to bet Dion that <laughs> that you do not know what the reverse cowgirl is. Do I what do you want me to do? Do you want me to demonstrate? I want you to explain what the reverse cowgirl is to the listener. The reverse cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I rest my case, members of the jury. There are two sorts in Sunderland, they're terribly cross in Kent. They're dull in Hull and the island man is seething with discontent. They're nervous in Northumberland and Devon is down the drain. They're filled with wrath on the Firth of Forth and sullen on Salisbury Plain. In Dublin, they're depressed lads, maybe because they're Celts. For Drake is going west, lads. So is everything else. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Suffering's on the way. There are bad times just around the corner. There are dark clouds hurtling through the sky. And it's no good whining about a silver lining. For we know from experience that they won't roll by. With a scowl and a frown, we'll keep our peckers down and prepare for depression and gloom and dread. We're going to unpack our troubles from our old kit bags and wait until we drop down dead.
call when they do kettering, they're sobbing themselves to sleep. The shrieks and wails in the Yorkshire Dales have even depressed the sheep. In rather vulgar measuring, a very disgruntled group has posted bills in the Cotswold Hills to prove that we're in the soup. We'll all get bitched about, lads, whomever our vote elects. We know we're up the spout, lads. That's what England expects. While begging Kipling's pardon, there's one thing we know for sure. If England is our garden, we're going to need more manure. Hooray, hooray, hooray! Suffering and dismay, there are bad times just around the corner. The horizon's gloomy as can be. There are blackbirds over the greyish cliffs of Dover, and the rats are preparing to leave the BBC. We're an unhappy breed and very bored indeed when reminded of something that Churchill said. And while the press and the politicians nag, 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 and we'll wait until we drop it down dead. There are bad times just around the corner the outlook's absolutely vile. There are home fires smoking from Windermere to Woking and we're not going to tighten our bells and smile, smile, smile. At the sound of a shot, we just as soon as not take a hot water bottle and go to bed. We're going to untense our muscles till they sag, sag, sag and wait until we drop down. <laughs> a likely story, land of hope and glory, wait until we drop down dead. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.